Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Cody Getchel. Cody is the man behind the high ticket coaching program, GSD, and is a senior partner in LA's top ranked rated marketing agency, Custom Creatives. He is on a mission to help entrepreneurs get out of their own way by moving from an unsustainable do-it-all mentality to building a rock star team that gives them the ability to create an assembly line in their business to create growth and freedom. Cody, welcome to the program, man. Thank you so much, Brent. Glad to be here, my man. So Cody, where did your entrepreneurial journey start? I mean, start? We're talking middle school, I think, start. So if we're going to go all the way back there, what, what, what were you selling in middle school? Let me tell my business partner to get his arm out of my camera yeah, real quick. There we go. All right, cool. Now, what I was doing in middle school, my man, was I was a kid and I saw an opportunity. And that opportunity was hungry little people waiting for the bus and a cafeteria that closes before that was supposed to. So I take a bunch of money. I clear out all the candy bars and then the cafeteria would shut down and I'd sell them for double on the courtyard. So that's tiny Cody's way of, I don't know, robbing his fellow children, starting a business. Was that a business or was that just a hustle? I don't know. I think they call that candy bar arbitrage. I think that would be, (laughs) I think that would be the tactical term for it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my my real journey started in university. So I, I wanted to go to business school, learn how to, you know, run a team. Um, we take a we take a poo on college a lot nowadays about how it's useless. It did teach me some good stuff, foundational pieces for being a business owner. Um, and I started by flipping cars, going to the used auctions, used car auctions, finding cars for cheap and uh, selling them for a profit. That eventually grew into owning a used car dealership, a detailing bay. Um, and then I sold all of that to start an agency about a decade ago. And here we are. Yeah, man. Well, I've, I've known a few... Uh... A few people who have gotten their start in the car business, and uh, I don't know. I've I, I've heard that there are are many pranks played between salespeople on uh, <laughs> used car lots. Uh, I would say yes, um, but it's it's an interesting business even beyond that because people are get very upset about certain things that happen. So I remember when before I even had the de- detail bay, before I had the shop itself, we sold a car to a guy. And the uh, the transmission must have dropped in it like three weeks later. These are, these are auction cars, right? They fall apart sometimes. The transmission broke in it like three weeks later. This guy comes crawling back at 3 a.m., pounding on our doors, pounding on our windows, threw a rock through our stuff, called the cops on us, and then gets arrested and, and uh, gets taken back away. So that it was it's an interesting business. You've run into interesting folk, especially when you're starting out and you're dealing with the, we'll call them lower end <laughs> vehicles at a cheaper price point. Yeah, it's a fun time. It seems like a good place to kind of cut your teeth on sales just because oh, yeah. it's it gives you you get a lot of reps in. I mean, I imagine in a given day you're you're taking a you know, not just like you're not getting like one at bat, right? I think in our in the agency game, a lot of times if you're selling large projects, you might you might not be selling 
all the time or or getting up in front of clients every single day to sell. I mean, maybe maybe some people are, but I think a lot of people yeah. might only be selling a deal every couple of weeks, right? So car lot, you're probably doing like a couple of cars a day, hopefully. Yeah, if you're doing it right, you're doing a couple of cars a day. And it's a big enough purchase, which is why I think it really does relate to agency coaching sales and that kind of stuff, because it is a higher ticket purchase. And even when you're dealing with lower end vehicles, you know, people are usually stretching their budget. They're coming in with the money that they have. And so it's not as easy as saying, you know, this is a commoditized thing, like buy this. It's, there is some convincing involved. And I'm, uh, I'm not to say I was, you know, a tricky used car salesman, but you got you to gotta use the tricks of the trade to get people to connect to the vehicle that you want them to drive away with. To the one what's that you got to get off the trick? Way. What's a trick that you've, you, you have used, or maybe you were just at least made aware of? I won't put you on the spot and say well, that. I mean, look, this is before, before NEPQ and before you learned all the different transitional sales approaches and connecting with people and learning their problems and diagnosing and all that kind of stuff. This is just about, hey, you know, you look like you want this car and you think that you've got to go talk to your wife about it. Well, um, uh, you know, do you talk to your wife about what you eat for food or what socks you put on in the morning or what underwear you got to choose every day or what shirt you're going to leave with? No, then, you know, if this is the car you're going to drive yourself around in every day, shouldn't it matter more what you want <laughs> and see uh -oh. how they can connect with that kind of stuff? I, I imagine that feels really good as you're thinking about how you're going to explain to your wife that you just bought a Porsche, right? <laughs> Not everybody can have what they want, okay? but you got to you gotta try and push them along the, uh, the journey for it. Do you talk to your wife about what pair of socks you put on in the morning? So <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's harsh, man. That's harsh. I mean, that's kind of what, look, I'm not a great Cardone, Dan Locke kind of sales guy. Like, I don't like people pushing on other people. But when you're doing sales, like sometimes something that I've, I've tried to tell our own team, we have multiple, multiple high ticket salespeople now, is, you know, authority frame. And you got to keep control of the conversation. And that kind of tonality and that kind of talk just kind of gets that back in line. You know, you talk about Jordan Belfort's looping and the three tens and the certainty levels and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of what that can do. It's not so much like, hey, you know, don't listen to your wife, screw that, get in the car. It's like, let's say something that jerks them out of that part of the conversation and back to where we can have a conversation about the sales. So, I mean, it's as relevant as it is in high ticket sales as it is for used cars. So let's talk about that a little bit. You mentioned authority frame, keeping control of the conversation. Why? I mean, I, I, I can assume why that probably is important in a sales call, but I guess why is sales. that... Honestly, not, not just sales. So I do a lot of, um, uh, not so much anymore over the last couple of years, but I've done a lot of project management for our, our multi-seven-figure agency and even the higher-end clients, that kind of stuff, the communication. You can get run over by people, whether it's a sales call or a client call, uh, just by subtle changes in your tonality, just by allowing them to communicate and agree to all that they're saying. So on a sales call, they're telling you what they think their solution should be and you're just agreeing to it the whole time or a client telling you that, oh, I saw this picture or this ad the other day and I want to run this now. And you just constantly being that yes man, right? Or even an employee. If you tell your employee to do something and you're constantly having them tell you they don't think that's a good idea and that you should do this and you're moving around, you lose what I call the authority frame. It, it, it really affects every aspect of your agency or your coaching program because you know, you're the expert. You're in each one of these positions, whether it's the sales position where you're trying to be a doctor and actually diagnose them with a real problem and connect them to the solution you know will help them. Or if you're an employer or the project manager, you're in that position because you should know 
what to do. That doesn't mean never listen to advice and be a rock and let it all bounce off you. But it does mean that you should maintain an authority with tonality um, and, and control over the situation because that's what you're there to do. And that's why you're hired to do it. And you'll be able to retain and sell and do all these things a lot better if you can actually accomplish that. Hey, what's up, agency owners? Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads, so it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly. But I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called High Level, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. High Level normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash YouGurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. So control, authority, does this type of, um, I like the idea of, of, you know, you don't want to just be a rock and have everything kind of bounce off of you. I mean, I can imagine somebody's listening to this podcast, they go to their next sales call or whatever, and they're like, I'm going to bring the authority frame. I'm I'm not going to take any any crap from these people, right? Like, I mean, where, where's the line in terms of how to create a a kind of a a partnership? Yeah. Let's focus on the sales aspect of it because that's kind of where where you're bringing up right there. Like, what I mean by that is when it comes time for letting a person ramble on, you know, you got to know when to interrupt a person on a sales call. Like, you got to know when to not let them drone on for like 10 minutes and and get completely off the conversation that you should be on, which is, you know, find what their problem really is and then provide them with a solution that you believe in and help them. Right. Some salespeople will allow the conversation to go completely off course. Right. We like to say there's got to be boundaries. And if you get that, that boundary, you have to be able to interrupt them in a way that doesn't make you sound like a bleep hole. Right. I'm bleeping yeah. it for you. I'm doing the work for your team already. Right. And so we have to keep it within that, that frame. Um, and so the other half of that is actually being able to give advice. I always tell people, you know, the best salespeople, yeah, they know all the tricks and all the frameworks and all the processes, but it's really just belief in the product that you're selling. And so you can maintain an authority pretty easily if you truly believe what you have is going to help that person because you've done the first diagnosing part, discovery part of the call correctly. It allows you to truly be able to stay in authority, but also come from a place of help, which is always what I'm trying to tell everybody to do. Like No matter what, it's not about what's the follow-up or warm-up or whatever we can do to get these people to sell, to buy our stuff. It's what can we leave this call with or conversation with? And no matter what, whether they buy or not, they get help. They get that. How do you, when let's say you're starting a sales call, I imagine if you're going to keep somebody in this frame, Mm -hmm. if you're going to have at least a little bit of relationship capital that you can interrupt them if they start going down a rabbit hole or getting off course, how are you setting an expectation with people in those first few, you know, seconds or minutes that gives you? you know, a stable place to do that. I mean, I imagine that it's it's really easy to come across not in a positive way if all of a sudden, you know, if you didn't set expectations right well, in, in the right way, but how are you yeah. setting that up on the, on the very first part of the call? I'd like to preface this by saying that I've been told over the course of my life that talking to me or being my friend or being a business partner with me is like walking a very small tightrope between wanting to just give me a great big hug or really wanting to just punch me right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and so I've learned very well how to um uh, how to walk that line. And I honestly think that it, it does me well in all of these situations because I will try at the beginning to do rapport building. I think some people put too much emphasis on that, but I'll, you know, joke around a little bit, connect with them in a way, do your research before the call and see how you can get past that, like, oh, we're here to do a battle with one another, seller, buyer, and get into a let's have a real conversation about what you need and what we can actually provide and figure out if we're a good fit. It's not about, you know, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. It's about figuring out, are we a good fit? And I think if you can direct the conversation from having rapport and then just into discovery, you know, just start asking questions and, and just shut up and listen. You know, one of the hardest things for salespeople to do or in any situation is just to learn to not talk. It's one of the best skills I think anybody can have is know, yeah, I'm saying when to interrupt, but also know when to just sit there and let the person tell you because they want to tell you. Everybody wants to talk about themselves. And if you can get that little bit of rapport in the beginning and break that ice, they will open up to you. Because once it's like it's like a valve, right? Once you open it up, it just starts all coming out. And that's what we need to be able to then use that information and be the authority. Because if you know the product or service that you're selling and what you're doing well enough, then that first information that you get should allow you to then build that fruit. Yeah, that's cool. What's, um, you know, you mentioned car sales is good because mm-hmm. it's kind of a, it's a high ticket sale, right? It's a 10, 20, 30, 50, whatever, 100K sale. We hear that phrase a lot in the internet marketing world, right? Like I have a high ticket offer. I have, I'm, I, I sell high ticket, right? Or whatever. I mean, what, what's high ticket to you? I mean, I used to, my answer to that question used to be anything above 2K, needed a, needed a phone call and therefore could be considered high ticket. I no longer think that way. That was a few years ago. Honestly, I think high ticket now nowadays with the amount of programs and products and stuff that have gone up, blame inflation or blame the industry getting saturated or whatever you want to blame, right? Nowadays, high ticket really is kind of like 7,500 and above, I would say, for different kind of things, depending on the, the price point that you get. I think there's plenty of room below that that you can do, but... That's I, honestly, as a matter of perspective, right? $500 to somebody might be a lot of money. It might be the last thing that they've got and that's high ticket to them and you need to find a way to help them in some way or another. But as an industry average, I would say, yeah, 7,500 to 10K now probably is what would be justified as high ticket. And, and you mentioned that, I mean, is is really the the benchmark for that is, is what would require a conversation in order to sell it? Um, is that I preface that what? by saying we have messenger sales of like 10K plus now without them even talking to our sales team. We've had that happen a number of times. But when we were not well known at all, like when our team was just you know talking to ourselves online, not that we're well known now, but we have a bit of a following now and they've warmed up better. Anything above 2K, I think needed a, needed a sales call. They needed to talk to a person that could really have that conversation and make that connection with them for them to spend that kind of money. And so that's where... In my opinion, that's where what a high ticket sale would be. Is if you need a salesperson to do it, if it comes down to to needing to have a phone call to make that sale, I think that should be defined as high ticket. Mm. So you you got your start a little bit in 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 cars, uh, you know, after after selling Snickers bars, and then uh, what you mentioned that you you sold out of the dealership, the shop to start your agency. What what was the catalyst for you that said? <laughs> Hey, I want to start a marketing agency. Well, I uh, my my degree that I got, I had honors in marketing and accounting. The concept was to go be an accountant, 
didn't want to do that. I took one long look at a giant ass building. I think it was P and P and N or whatever that big accounting firm is called. I can't even remember the name anymore. I had a pre-picked, I was handpicked for a job there, it was a starting salary and all this crap. I took one look at the cubicle and said, nope. <laughs> so that no was the cubes for Cody. Um, and I, I'd moved away from where I was. I, I was from the East Coast, a tiny little province called New Brunswick um, in Canada. There's no money there. There's no people there. I sold some cars and made a little bit, got myself through university, but it was never the plan to stay there. So when I moved out, I decided not to do accounting. I had a honors in marketing and I am, uh, had done a lot of digital marketing, Facebook page, website, coding, and HTML. Anybody remember what that life was like out there in Facebook land or podcast land? That was great. Um, and so I decided to put it to use. I wanted to work for myself and I never looked back after that. After never had a partner at that point. I had a partner in the dealership. I wanted to just do it on my own this time. And yeah. And man, what a different world it was back then. I don't know if you remember, Brent, but like there was a time, everybody, where it wasn't about you trying to prove you were better than the other agency. It was literally about proving that people should even be on Google and Facebook in the first place. That was my yeah. original. <laughs> so that was fun. Dude, I, I remember when or early Facebook days, even I remember some guy at a networking event told me he was like, he was like, there's going to be a day where people don't ever even need websites. They're just going to have Facebook pages for their business. And I was like, well, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Probably if Facebook not. hadn't turned it into a pay to play area and people were still growing Facebook pages. Yeah. Maybe that would have come to fruition. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you're like, every time you use your page, you have to pay us like thousands of dollars, right? Like yeah, maybe I need that website back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or landing. I think we, so, yeah. Yeah, so paint me a picture of uh, of custom creatives today. Uh, multiple seven-figure agency, award-winning agency. Been rated number one in clutch for not every year straight, but you know I think four to the last five years for LA. So some of that stuff going on. We do a lot of work. We had a sub-brand called the Real Estate Rainmakers. So there's a whole real estate department that we run out of there with a group of about 6,000 people for that as well. We work with PIs. We work with coaches. So like I mentioned, you have, we've worked with a lot of bigger names um, in the industry for their own advertising. And yeah, it's been a good ride. What's been, uh, what's been the biggest challenge for you around scaling the business to multiple seven figures? Leadership. Delegation. So I do this exercise. Um, it's called the delegation matrix. Something that I, I learned a long time ago that really, really helped me start to be able to scale up and, and keep margins because I only hire for the people who I need to hire for. It's literally like a grid. So like see this TV behind me? It's got the four lines. Imagine you have one part of it that says I'm good at it and I suck at it. And one part where it says I love it and I hate it. At the end of every month, I'll list out in detail, like as many of these minute tasks as I can think of that I did in the last week of the month. And I'll put them all in these, these four little squares, right? Anything that goes into the, I hate it and I suck at it. And this requires people out there in podcast and Facebook land. This requires you to um, uh, really be honest with yourself. Something that some of us aren't good at, Like you got to be like, I suck at this. It's sometimes hard to like stare at something and say that. Yeah. You suck at this and you don't like it. That's the task you got to delegate off. Those are what you got to hire from for first. So me being the way that I am, that and then understanding that like even if you can do it better and i'm not just tweeting my own horn but if you're in a situation with your employee and you tell them to do something you delegate that task to them and the first thing that they do is wrong your first thought can't be let me just do it get out of the way right because that's and that was one of the bigger things that took as we grew and we grew more and more team members and we had then management roles project management roles 
people who are delegating things and then delegating them even further. Sometimes it feels easier to just take it over and do it yourself, but you're harming your own process and you're actually just giving yourself more work at that point. Yeah. I just, I think it's a really common thing of, I'll just do it. I mean, I hear that all the time. People, they hire their first employee, they hire a contractor, they, they, they find a service to do the work and it doesn't come back exactly how they would do it. And then they just think to themselves, like, it's just, it's just gonna be easier for me to fix it. And all it does is like, you're just, you created a second job on top. You're doing the job you hired off to get off your plate and you're doing a second job of managing the extra person. And have you, have you ever read the book, Brent, I'm a good to great by Jim Collins. Sure. Ever read that old business book? Love that book. So he talks in that one. Then you'll know about uh, getting the right people on the bus, right? Getting yeah. the A players on the bus. And one other big mistake that you make in this situation is keeping the wrong people on the bus because you don't want to fire them. You've invested a little bit of energy and time and money into them, and they kind of are okay at that work. And you know, you keep trying to delegate it to them, and you just keep doing it yourself, right? And that situation, you've got to learn to just cut them loose because you're not doing you or them a favor, right? They're not going to grow into that role. If they're bad at it, they're bad at it. They should go find something they can be you know, find their zone of genius, find their thing that they're going to be able to absolutely crush. And when you do that and you start swapping them out and getting A players on your boss, it really does change the game and you can scale a lot faster. It's how you go from employee to CEO. So when you have somebody who you've just delegated a task to and they come back and they didn't do it perfect. And obviously we, we also don't always do our work perfect, but sometimes it's easier to point out other people's flaws, (laughs) but let's say they come back. I mean, how, how do you determine whether it's a a coachable moment that can we can work on and develop this person versus where it's clearly not the right person. I think that, that depends on your hiring process and your own timeline. So you have to have a process. And we, we don't hire based on skills and education. We hire based on culture fit and then willingness to learn. Because we're, we're coaches ourselves. Like I, I fully believe I can teach you most of these skills, but you got to be energetic. You got to work when we need you to work and you got to be ready to show up. Um, And then you got to have a built in timeline. So you got to have it set in stone. So our, our onboarding process for things like setters and salespeople, we actually have something that we call earn while they learn. And we literally have gamified it. So for a setter, for instance, we have a certain amount of points that they have to hit after we've hired them and trained them. They have to hit a certain amount of points in like 10 days. And they do that by setting calls and then closes happening on some of those calls. If they hit those numbers and the numbers are arbitrarily low, they should be able to hit them even if they're mediocre and then we can grow from there. If they hit those numbers, they're good. If they don't, then you got free training from us and now you can go on and go somewhere else and succeed in some other part. And that takes, in my opinion, the hardest part out of it, which is the emotion of, of like, once you've talked to a guy and you like the guy and you think he's going to succeed and then he doesn't succeed right away, like as much as some of us are, are um, uh, like to think that we're all hard and stuff, you know, it's hard to fire those people once they get to that point. Then you just kind of want to, uh, maybe I can just work a little bit more with them. But the way that we have it all out is gamified timelines and set in stone. And that allows you to just kind of really focus in on getting the right people. So for a position like a setter, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me because you have a lot of, there's there's a lot of transactional interactions in in that kind of a relationship. But what about somebody who's doing more like design or advertising, you know, a creative professional where, you know, performance-based metrics around making money or hitting certain benchmarks might not be the most motivating. So creative people and media buyers, I'm going to start with creative people because I don't really, there's not really money involved in that. It's more like, here's a few templated styles that we like for graphics and for videos. Here's your timeline to do them that you agree, you would have agreed to in your video application. 
hit those timelines and let's see how it all comes up. If it, if it comes close enough, cool. I think we can train you up and we can put you with the team. If not, we move on. Advertisers and media buyers, I handpick myself from different training groups that I know that they'll be in. Um, and I allow them to work with us in a preliminary setting, do the training, and then see if they can hit certain metrics. So I want them to first be able to maintain metrics in a campaign that's already working. And I want them to give me feedback. So it's not as it's not as simple as gaming, gamifying it as it is with setting and sales and that kind of stuff where you can have that point system. But it's because it's going to rely on my own knowledge and being able to judge what they give us feedback and recommendations and, and for me to consider whether they have the knowledge I need them to have to be able to trust with a with a big account, with a large ad spend. So lots of filtering on the front end. But what about managing somebody that once they're they're kind of in, right? They're they're coming to you and They've been on your team for six months and they're not delivering the quality of work that you want, right? How are you? Uh, well, that, that's where it becomes it becomes tricky, right? It does. It is, I'd love to sit here and say, yeah, I, I, I am. Uh, I cut five people this week because they were useless. No, we all. We, I can sit here and say, you know, it's it's a do as I say, not as I do situation. We don't always fire this people. We don't. I like I like to. I'm a helper, right? That's what I'm trying to say here too. Is I want I want to help you succeed, and you want to do this. So we try and go out of our way to get them extra training and to give them an extra chance and, and all of that kind of stuff. But we are very firm. Like we give warnings. We do reviews every quarter with our employees. We give warnings that they're not really in line with the amount and the direction that we need them to be in. Um, and if they don't fix it, we, we do let them go. If they get to that point, though, they would have already showed me potential. They've already passed what we wanted them to do in the preliminary section. So we do have a little bit of a longer leash with people who have, have grown with us and, and progressed. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white-label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's e, the number two, m, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. How do you identify culture fit? I mean, part of it's, it sounds like your process. I mean, I get, I get the impression that you have, you mentioned the word firm. Uh, I, I get the impression that you have a very, um, I don't want to say aggressive, but I mean, very firm, like very driven agency culture, which, you know, we've interviewed a lot of people on the, on the show and. It's not always apparent, right? I've interviewed businesses that have a very different culture, right? But you guys, it yeah. seems like have a very, a very driven culture. Uh, what are the, some of the things that you you look for or screen for to make sure that people are showing up and they're ready for something like that? Uh, honestly, energy is a big thing to me. Look, I mean, you can see the thing behind my my name. You know what GSD stands for? It's get bleep done. We keep doing that work for you guys, all right? Um, and that's honestly what we're all about. We want to get stuff done. We want to be moving forward. I move at probably a million miles an hour to the point where I constantly am told by my partner and my employees to just you know slow down. <laughs> that's fine. And I have to do that sometimes. But it, I, I'm more of the impression that, you know, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. And move as fast as you need to break stuff and fix it. Cause that's how you're going to be able to grow. I tell people all the time and, and all of, we teach some people and I, I'm constantly saying, you know, don't let trying to be perfect, stop you from being great because you can sit all day on that beautiful piece of copy or that wonderful funnel and everything that you think is absolutely. And then when you put it out to the market after three months of working on it and nobody gives a crap, 
at all. <laughs> Nobody buys it. Then you wait, you're spending another three months to make the next variation. No, pump some stuff out, make a high ticket offer that is going to be tested and then confirm that and then go ahead. Cause that's, I mean, offer, we call it the scary offer with, with us is 80% of the, of the work. And you can just create some offer variations, put it out in a simple form. And once you get somebody to bite, cool, now go build a fancy funnel or go create a beautiful video or whatever. Once you've got something that you know is going to move. The what do you mean by scary offer? Like it's, it's scaring you to put it out there or it, it's... It, it, yeah. So that's some, some IP in the GSD program. I call it all the time. It's a scary offer, but literally what that means is to me is it's, it's such a big offer. It scares you to make it. And I want it mm. to scare you to make it because if it scares you to make it, it also scares your competition to make it. And it's a way to stand out in your red ocean. Yeah. I love that idea of the, uh, the scary offer. Yeah. Any, anybody who's ever watched me on any video has heard me say scary offer. Like it's, I, it's, it's the core, right? Having that offer that moves the needle is the core of all the fancy organic and paid and whatever other kind of marketing you want to do. You got to have something that number one speaks to the customer in their language, which is just a whole other can of worms because everybody wants to talk in their own jargon, but never wants to learn actual basic marketing, which is, you know, customer research and saying the words in a way that connects with your prospect. You get that thing. And that, that, is the jump starting point for everything else that you can accomplish. So with, with high energy, is there a, is there a challenge of how, how do you balance that out and keep, keep yourself so, coming and showing up with that every day without burning out? I guess, honestly, I find it with personality. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews, a lot of interviews with people. Some people show up like this, right. And they're just like, yeah, okay. All right. Some people show up like this, like me, like, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk. I can't wait to do this. This is exactly what I want. And I mean, it's my honest opinion. You can feel it. And if they lie to you and they show up on the next one, they don't show up for the call. Cool. Cut them loose. But like, I want a guy who is eager. You know, I want a guy who's hungry because a guy who's hungry and has a small skill set, but is willing to show up and learn on his own time and put this stuff to work is going to outperform a guy who's skilled, but bored and, and not motivated and not ambitious and not ready to go nine times out of 10. I think, what, what is it? What is it that, that, that cliche says work ethic out does talent nine times out of 10. If you, if the talent doesn't work as hard as the work ethic, I can't remember. I botched that, but that's what something like that, some quote like that. And I, I believe in that. I think culture is more important than what you already know. In fact, sometimes when people come to us and they already think they are good at what they do, they're never as good as they think they are, but as they think they're good at it, you know, they come with predetermined bad habits and they don't want to listen to, to what you're trying to get them to accomplish. They want to do it the way they were already doing it, whether that works or not, they're stuck in that kind of rut and you have to get them out of it. That's awesome. Well, Cody, this has been a fun interview, man. I, I love your energy. I love the stuff that you guys are doing at custom creatives and GSD. I think you've got a lot to offer. And, uh, and I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Are you ready for our lightning round? I didn't even know that was a thing, but I'm always ready for the lightning round, Brown. Let's go. <laughs> I was going to say, you got, you got the flames. We got the lightning. We're going we're gonna to do this together. All right. All right. All right. What, what is the best advice you've ever received? Ooh, the best advice I've ever received. Uh, honestly, I already gave it. Don't let trying to be perfect. Stop you from being great. I think the worst thing you can do is hover on one thing too long and not get out there and test it in the market. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Perseverance. Not, not giving a sh shoot <laughs> about when I'm down on the roller coaster and not getting too high when I'm up on the roller coaster. Understanding that no matter what business you're running, you're going to have really, really unbelievably bad days. 
And uh, that's just business. That's what you signed up for when you quit your job and decided to get into this game in the first place. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Loom for any, I, for some reason ran into somebody the other day that never heard of Loom and I couldn't not believe it. So if there's anybody somehow on the internet that doesn't use Loom to communicate with their team, their clients and everything else, please go download that and use it right now. Awesome. I think it's great for asynchronous communication and, and doing less meetings. So Mm-hmm. Great recommendation. And what book would you recommend and why? Oh, I said that one already. See, when I've read the book and Brent has read the book, you know it's a good book for you to read, guys. Go out there, buy Good to Great by Jim Collins. All right, it's a little bit older, but it's got some amazing, solid business principles in it that I clearly still quote to this day on everything that I do. Big fan of Jim Collins. So, Check that out uh, in our show notes. We'll link out to Good to Great and also maybe some of Jim Collins' other greatest hits. That Uger, that's at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you guys are out on the road or on a run or uh, like me trying to bike off Thanksgiving by the time you guys hear about this, <laughs> check that out, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Cody, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Uh, we do have a free premium course that if you want to link in your thing, it's got 11 plus hours of content in it, or they can find me on Facebook, Cody Getchell, or in our group, Seven Figure GSD Agency Sales Systems and Scale. Sweet. Well, if that was too much for you guys to write down, we will link to Cody's free <laughs> course, 11 hours of packed, amazing insights strategies, tactics, all that good stuff. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you check out Cody's free course, his Facebook uh, handle, and as well, his Facebook group. We will link out to all three of those things over on our show notes page, yougurus.com slash podcast. So if you're listening to this week of, you'll just see Cody's image at the top. Click on Cody and you'll see some quotes, takeaways, gold nuggets, and all those links for you in one place. Cody, thanks for stopping by the program today. Thank you so much for having me, Brent. I appreciate it. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.